0: This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Please take your Bibles, Acts chapter 2, this evening. We're going to be at the end of the chapter. As you preach through and study through the book of Acts, It is a little bit of a slow start because there are so many doctrinal things that need to be uh, considered and taught. We looked recently at the message that Peter preached at Pentecost. and uh, I had the opportunity to preach another man's message. But there is so much there was a spontaneous message. But you have to slow down and consider all that is there. And before we get into the narrative, more of the narrative of the book that speeds things along, uh, we continue to see what the church was doing and and, uh, we have to stop and consider uh, what that early church was because it is in fact the model for what we are to be in this church age. Now I believe we are coming very quickly to the conclusion of the church age. Would you agree with me? Things are happening quickly. The signs are becoming clearer, I believe more evident, but sadly the closer we get to the Savior's return for His church, the harder it is to recognize the church. If you look at what is happening in some places, it's called the church, you have to scratch your head and wonder, where did they get that idea? Where did that come from? Reminds us that again the Lord says, "When I come back, will I find faith in the earth. Pretty sobering. Now praise God. There are millions of believers on this planet, and we are, in fact, hearing of God's miraculous working in places where the gospel has never been proclaimed before. But where the gospel has been proclaimed, there are a lot of dead churches, non-existent churches, and things happening in churches in the name of Christ that don't please Him. We want to make sure that as we study the book of Acts, that we don't fall into that trap, that in fact, until the Lord returns, we are in lockstep to what He says we should be as His people. So the book of Acts simplifies really things for us while also defining what the church is when the Holy Spirit controls the church, Christians' lives. What does that look like? Acts 2 reveals the mighty impact of the church when it is empowered by the Spirit of God. But it also shows us the function of the church when he is in control. What are the functions? How does it function? What are the actions of the church? Our text tonight brings us to the end of chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 42 to 47. And this passage is broken down. It's easy to follow into a series of actions that are connected over and over by the conjunction and. And, and then there's action. And, and then there's more action. And, and then there's more action. These acts of the church right after Pentecost illustrate what the power of the Holy Spirit produces. First in 120 believers who remember were gathered in an upper room in obedience to the Lord, praying that he would send his spirit. When he does, then they break forth in praise, but they're heard in different languages that are represented by everyone who is there for Pentecost, the Jewish celebration. And they come running, and as they're running, they're hearing praise to God, that I believe is specific to the Holy Spirit has come, just like Jesus the Messiah predicted. Hallelujah! And they marvel at what they're hearing. They gather together, and then they start to speculate. What is going on here? Oh, they're drunk. (laughs) And there were other things that were said. Peter stands up and preaches through the power of the Holy Spirit. Deep conviction comes. 3,000 are saved. Now, it says around 3,000, again, because they're, they're counting, but they're not really sure. All those folks didn't live in Jerusalem. They were from all over the Roman world. And so some of them rejoicing, they've been saved. They had home. So around 3,000. And then this greater group of believers now, controlled by the Spirit of God, they begin to function as a New Testament church. The first church in Jerusalem. And what happened? What were the activities of that group of believers? Now what I want us to see tonight, I believe this is from the text, is that this was a busy church. We can be very busy as God's people, right? But we have to... Take a good hard look at that busyness. They were busy not because they were trying to make something happen. Some churches are busy because they're trying to to make people think there's something alive happening here. That'll wear you out. They were busy, but not because they were trying to manufacture something. They were busy because it was the fruit of the Holy Spirit working in that church as they depended upon Him. Spirit-controlled saints are never idle. Let me repeat that again. Spirit-controlled saints are never idle. You can look in any church family, including this one, and when people are on the sidelines, they are not controlled by the Spirit of God. Just not. There is always fruit from the Spirit when you are controlled by the Spirit. And remember, Acts 1.8, the power of the Holy Spirit was given for what purpose? The action of taking the gospel to the world. You will be a witness. That's active. That's purposeful. But beyond that, their actions as the church of Jesus Christ can be categorized under four specific actions. Four specific actions, and we're going to take a good look at those tonight. I've entitled the message, The Actions of a Spirit-Controlled Church. If God were to lead you away from good news because you get moved to Oklahoma or some other place, you military members get redeployed someplace else, all right? If you're looking for another church, what do you look for? Now, in that list, we tend to start looking for things though though they may be important, they're not the essentials. They're not the most important things. At least some folks, you know, well what what kind of ministry do they have for the kids and and so on. Again, those, those are important. Don't misunderstand. I'm not minimizing that, but those are not the essentials that doesn't tell you whether a church is spirit controlled. And that's the issue. And so let's look at the actions of a spirit-controlled church. We begin with the actions, the activities of a church controlled by the Spirit of God, as they're listed for us now in verse 42. And we're going to see as well the a- impact of these actions. Here's what verse 42 says. And they continued steadfastly. Now let's stop and consider what that means. It means that they persevered in pursuing four important actions that are listed here in the text. Continued steadfastly. They persevered in these things. There's the mark of a spirit-controlled church. They are persevering in the main things that the Spirit of God expects from every church for its health and so that it can function as a lighthouse, a testimony for the gospel. First, they persevered in this. Notice the apostles' doctrine. Then fellowship, then in breaking of bread, and then in prayers. And You'll see that conjunction, and, and, and. So these four. Let's look at the first one in the Apostles' Doctrine. Now the Apostles' Doctrine has two sides. It's the Apostles' Doctrine, but there are two sides of this. First of all, it necessitates willing exposure by the disciple to the teaching. Willing exposure to the teaching that the apostles or church leaders are doing. They gave themselves. They persevered in giving themselves to that so that they could learn and follow the teaching. The other side then, the apostles were simply being obedient to Matthew twenty-eight twenty, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded. Jesus is saying... This is what you need to teach those who follow after me. And by the way, teach it all. I have never quite understood, Pastor Long, you other preachers that are here. I've heard guys say, when I started in the ministry, I, I, you know, I preached my first three messages and I didn't know what else to preach. And I scratch my head and I think, well, you got the whole Bible there, pal. I don't know where you were trained or what you're thinking, but... That's a problem. Teaching them to observe all that the Lord has said. The apostles' doctrine. And so they persevered in pursuing truth. They wanted to hear it. They longed to hear it so that they might know what God expects and then do it. And so a spirit-controlled church is a church where people gather regularly To be fed the word of God. Now let me ask you a question. The disciples followed Jesus for three and a half years. Was there any better teacher than Jesus, yes or no? Do you think he covered the bases, yes or no? (laughs) Of course he did. Now here's the question. Did they learn everything they needed to know? I believe he taught it to them. Did they get it? In the book of Acts, you and I are going to see instances where they're debating things that as a Christian, you know, why is that even an issue? But it proves this point, we have to continue to learn God's truth. Amen? This pastor hasn't arrived. I still need to be in God's word. And as I read it, he keeps showing me new things. Like, why didn't I see that before? Okay. So the apostles doctrine. A spirit-filled church does that. Okay, so a Christian who doesn't think they need to be under the teaching of God's word, not spirit-filled. Say, well, I come to church once in a while. Not spirit-filled. Once in a while is not going to help you With what you need to end this journey of life. Say, well, where do you get that in the Bible? Because right here we'll see in the text, they did this daily. Oh, that church has three services. Stop! Daily! And oh, by the way, the first day of the week for these Jews was a work day, they didn't have a weekend. The Sabbath was the day before. They gathered the first day of the week to do the things that we're, we're seeing here in the Word of God. So they had to manage work schedule and church schedule, and church didn't lose out. The Apostles' Doctrine. Next, fellowship. This word is used 18 times in our New Testament. And let me just share with you quickly some of the ways that it's translated. In 2 Corinthians 9.13, it's translated distribution. In other words, they they communed with one another, and the command there in 2 Corinthians 9.13 was, be liberal in your distribution. It's the word for fellowship, koinonia. When we get to Romans 15.16, Paul there is talking about the contribution made to those that were in Macedonia and Achaia. And he says, communicate. So communicate, do good. This is well-pleasing to God, we read in Hebrews 13, 16. So distribution, communicate, contribute, that's the word. So we do this when benevolent gifts and gifts to our brothers being, uh, that, serve, uh, that are being served by our missionaries. And we just had this happen where a missionary contest said, the brethren here have this need. And do you know what good news did? You fellowshiped with them. We sent funds, we contributed, we communicated to the specific need of those needy brethren, and in this instance it was in India. That's what fellowship is. Okay? So the Apostles' Doctrine, fellowship, communicating, distributing to the needs of brothers and sisters in Christ. Is this a priority? The Lord says that we're to do it, especially to those who are in the household of faith. Then, third, what was the third action that they did, and in breaking of bread? Now, let me just clarify: this is usually what we think of when we think of fellowship. Okay. Breaking of bread. This was, in fact, an ordinary meal that often ended with the Lord's supper. I think that's very instructive for us. As a child, I learned from my Christian parents, they were godly parents, but they loved to have people over and to break bread or pop popcorn or whatever it was, okay? In fact, I came to Christ one night because my parents had a family over from the church and the dads were in the living room talking about the things of the Lord. The ladies were in the kitchen preparing food. All of us kids were playing and I came out and I started to hear a conversation between my dad and a man in our church about the Antichrist. They were talking about revelation. God convicted my heart and that night I came to Christ. But these feasts were love feasts. Invite somebody over, get together, break bread. But what the pattern is, and here's what we learned from the early church, what the pattern was, they would end the love feast like Jesus did with his disciples. They would end it by having a time when they commemorate, remember the Lord, the Lord's table. Now, That's what this breaking of bread was. I want to be careful that you don't think that that was just two families getting together to do this. It was a multitude of believers getting together to do this. In fact, when we get to 1 Corinthians and Paul has to deal with them about the, the abuses at the Lord's table, you'll remember that there are references to the fact that that was a love feast. People are bringing their own food. Ah, there's a hint. But some people are being neglected as others are eating together. There's another hint. And so Paul has to straighten all that out. And the Holy Spirit speaks through him to remind them of what the Lord did. But even Jesus with the disciples that night, they were celebrating Passover. It was in fact a meal, but at the end of the meal... The Lord changed some things up. He introduced a new cup and he took unleavened bread and said, this is my body, took the cup and said, this represents my blood. So the early church, these Jewish believers, they were continuing that and they, in fact, were persevering, pursuing this action as they got together. Jude 12 calls these feasts of love. Uh, These were the regular activities in house churches. And and again, we see that with uh, the problems then with the Lord's table in Corinth. So this is a reference to our hospitality. Breaking bread. It's a relaxed setting when you get together with brothers and sisters in Christ. You have food and you can just fellowship over that food. Break bread together. And what a great time then to talk about the things of the Lord. I, I would suggest this to you. A spirit controlled family is a family where you have people that you get together to eat with. doesn't have to be a three course meal. Bake a pie. Or ask Marie Callender to help you from the store, all right? Just pop it in there. Uh, if somebody figure out how to make coffee but sit and talk about the Lord, encourage each other in the Lord. That's what this was. And they they committed themselves to that. By the way, that's where also you can learn about needs so that you can, in fact, fellowship and distribute to those needs. Finally, the fourth action, we're told that they continued steadfastly in prayers. Prayers. We need to note the parallel here in chapter 1, verse 14. They're in that upper room, and what are they doing steadfastly? They're continuing in prayer until God answers and sends His Spirit. And so it's as if here, and I believe that the Holy Spirit is showing us this in the book of Acts, He keeps bringing us back to the fact that these activities were effective because of prayer. Here's the sign, I believe one of the main signs, of a spirit-controlled church. Here's the church calendar. Here's something that's coming on the church calendar. All right, where's the prayer meeting before what's scheduled on the church calendar? Are you with me? Now, sometimes that can just, we're controlled by the Spirit of God, we're focused on details, and that can slip our minds. But if we're spirit-controlled, He's going to prompt us, pray before Pray before. Even our prayer meetings on Wednesday nights, we ought to be focused on, all right, what's happening this weekend? Oh, food distribution. Oh, this outreach. Next week is Bible school and so on. Where's the prayer meeting? <laughs> well, there's not one scheduled and so maybe one of you men calls some of the other men and say, you know, did you see that this is coming? I read it in the bulletin. Let's get together in my house. We need to pray. Spirit-controlled church. By the way, it doesn't have to be on the church calendar for the Holy Spirit to prompt you to do something to help the church. They continued steadfastly in these things. Now, let's back up and look at all this together. Don't miss the reality that the apostles, through the Spirit's direction and power, weren't just making converts they were making disciples. And what is necessary to really make disciples, teaching them, even if they've been saved and walked with Jesus a while, okay? They've been saved for a while. Even in Acts, again, they still need to learn. But teach them the importance of the apostles' doctrine. Teach them the importance of fellowship. Right, get new Christians to distribute to the needs of others. Get them to do that. That's part of what a spirit filled Christian does. Well, we won't get them involved in that until they've been through a Bible study. Where continue to teach them the apostles' doctrine, but then get them involved. In fellowship, breaking of bread, meals together are, are important, and what most of our households can do. Whether we choose to do it or not. That's the question. Well, my house isn't that nice. Alright, we'll pick a park and show up with sandwiches. But get together and break bread. Say, well, I don't know those folks. Even more reason to have them over and break bread. Well, I think they're new in the church. Great! Have them over and break bread! Then... Meet at the table of the Lord. That is involved here. I have never understood Christians who avoid the table of the Lord. It's like attending a wedding and then saying, well, I'm not going to go to the reception. The Lord's table is not just breaking bread with God's people. It's commanded by the one who that table represents. And then praying together. In every setting, for every work, we need to pray. What resulted again as they persevered in these things then? Well, the text tells us. Here's the impact. Look at verse 43. And fear came upon every soul. Here's the first impact. Conviction. Came, the, the fear came, in the Greek is imperfect middle, which means that the conviction kept on me. I'll just share my heart with you today I am concerned I get encouraged because men will preach in this pulpit and then I'll hear later that, that so and so preached and these individuals went to him and said you know God spoke to me about God has convicted in my heart about that spirit filled preaching But I long to see more of that. We should pray for more of that. A spirit-controlled church is a church where, again, there's conviction. And it keeps on coming. Now, this was the internal working on saved and lost alike. And fear came. Here's the external working. The conviction. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. So this is the church's leadership validating the gospel and compelling everyone to follow Christ. Now, Brother McCain, other pastors that are here, uh, those that were responsible for this, this is a challenge to us, the need to be spirit control. Pastor Noro and, and others, okay. I believe that God does work through the leaders to demonstrate especially, His power before God's people. I know that because God has allowed me on a consistent basis to see people saved. Now that's not because I have a special gift of evangelism. But I believe as I'm faithful, God does do a work through his leaders as he did with the apostles to illustrate that God can save, that God can change lives. And he wants to do that before the people of God. But he wants to do that in all the people of God. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Where there's a spirit-controlled church, there is conviction that keeps on coming. And many signs and wonders were done by the apostles. I'm not suggesting that with church leaders today, there are these signs like they were in the early church. But it ought to be evident that the man of God is controlled by the Spirit of God and it's seen by the fruit of that. So there was conviction. Now Again, conviction is not only the work of the Holy Spirit, He will prompt, but it also is evidence of whether or not God's people in the church are ready to respond to His promptings. There are believers that are going to stand before the Lord someday in heaven, and they will have never walked an aisle. Oh, the Holy Spirit didn't prompt them. No, He did. I believe that when we study the Word of God, when there is conviction from the Holy Spirit, What we see all through the Bible is that God's people were motivated to make it public and visible and to do it. I think back even to the preaching in Nehemiah's day, Ezra preached, they built a pulpit. He preached, and then when he got done preaching, and these were services that went hours, okay? After he finished preaching, they sent Levites through the congregation to speak. Personally, one-on-one, talk to them, All right, You heard the message. What are you going to do about it? Imagine if we tried that on a Sunday. That's what they did. When God moves, he expects a response. So there was conviction. Secondly, I love this, there was unity. Verse 44, and all that believed were together. This is speaking of Oneness oneness in their spirit, oneness in purpose, with the byproduct then of compassion and fellowship. You say, where do you get that? Well, look on in verse 44, and had all things common. What happened? When this unity came from the Spirit of God, they wanted to meet each other's needs. Going back again to the fellowship part that we saw earlier. They considered their possessions then to be God-given for the common good. That's what it means. All things common. And parted them to all. Now notice in your King James Bible, men is italicized. They parted them to all. Every individual that had a need, as every man had need. Now I need to clarify something here. I've heard Bible teachers and even students say that this was an early form of communism. I strongly disagree, okay? Listen carefully, though, as to why this was not communism. Wilmington points out the difference. This was commonism, had all things common. Commonism, in other words, what is mine is thine. Communism, however, is what is thine is mine. And therein is the difference. Folks in Washington have no trouble spending what is thine. And they figure out ways so they don't have to spend what is mine. And we are moving towards socialism and communism. Don't think for a moment that that's biblical. Biblical. Commonism is, as a child of God, everything I have is owned by God, and if a fellow brother or sister in Christ needs it, what is mine is thine. Now, if you need to borrow my car, knock on the door first, all right, please. Don't just, okay. But that should be the Spirit of God's people. And it is when the Spirit is in control. So Spirit-controlled people are loving, unified people who will be prompted to give To all as they are made aware by the Spirit and their own loving spirit. Consider the fact that when you are made aware of a need of somebody in the church, the Holy Spirit wanted you to know that. He wanted you to know that. Why? So you do something about it. Now it may not be in the power of your hand to do something about it, but take it to those where collectively we can respond to a need. That's of the Spirit. Now, along with the impact of conviction and unity, lastly, listen to this. And I want you to see this in the text. I don't know a preacher that doesn't want to see this. The Spirit of God do this in a local assembly of believers. Write it down and then we'll look at it. Verse 46. Joyful sincerity. I'll say it again, joyful sincerity. Now, how do you get that from the text? Verse 46, and they, continuing daily, there's again, that steadfastness, they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. Now, all that's in between, you could read it this way, and they did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. But before the Holy Spirit shows us that, He shows us That they did it in the temple, they did it in breaking bread from house to house. In other words, everywhere they went, this is what they had. Joyful sincerity. So breaking bread from house to house, no matter where they steadfastly did their actions. Listed in verse 42. They did eat their meat with gladness. What does that word mean? Exuberant joy. So imagine this. You're walking across that 20-acre slab of stone called the Temple Mount. You're walking across, and and there are are Jews everywhere, people up there worshiping. And then you meet this guy, and he's like this. What is his problem? Exuberant joy. You just saw, there goes a spirit-filled Christian who's part of this church. Oh, and there's another one. Hey. How you doing? Okay. Exuberant joy and what else? And singleness of heart. That word is is this. It's simplicity. It's simplicity that's not corrupted by fleshly desires or wrong motive. When the Spirit of God is in control, there's exuberant joy and simplicity. And they had that when they were worshiping up on the Temple Mount. And they had that when they were meeting together in homes, fellowshipping together, breaking bread together. That's what they had, joyful simplicity. Now don't miss the fact that their joyful sincerity, simplicity as Christians caused them daily to be in the temple for worship. They weren't debating how much is going to church too much. They they weren't having those talks. By the way, remember the temple represented where God commanded Israel to go to worship. And so that's why they were up there. This was the formal place. It wouldn't be long, and we'll see this in the book of Acts, they're driven away from that place. Because the Jewish leadership who crucified Jesus, now they're going after the apostles, now they're going after the church. They couldn't meet up there anymore, and we're going to see another diaspora, only this time it's the dispersion of the church, and what the Lord is going to do is use that to get them all throughout the Roman Empire to spread the gospel. But while they still could freely worship up there, that's where they had a heart to be. And they express joy up there and sincerity, simplicity, serving their king. And then in each other's homes for communion and fellowship. This is what spirit-filled believers do in a church without extra promptings. They don't need somebody to stand in the pulpit and say, folks, we just need more fellowship. The spirit of God is going to teach that to his, his people. Now before the passage closes, there are two other impacts that overshadow the conviction, the unity, and the joyful sincerity that we've already looked at. These resulted in two main purposes for which the Holy Spirit graciously indwells His church. Are you ready? And and you've heard us state this, but this is reinforced now in the book of Acts. To use Warren Wiersbe's words, God was magnified and souls were multiplied. Again, God was magnified and souls were multiplied. Now the church continuing daily in these things, notice what happens, verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. That's something. Are you starting to see a pattern? Spirit of God, we're controlling. People praying. They continue steadfastly in what the Holy Spirit has them do as a church that strengthens the health of the church and at the same time makes them a stronger light and testimony for the gospel. More people are saved as God is glorified. And this is all the result, the conviction of verse 43 43, through a spirit-filled, steadfast church that is continuing through the power of God to do what the church is supposed to do. So let's conclude. How does the description of the church in Acts 2 compare with the church in America today that claims to believe the gospel and believe the Bible? I'm not talking about just any church. But churches that claim to believe the gospel and follow the Bible, how does this compare with those churches? There may be someone listening to this message tonight. You may be sitting in this auditorium. You have been in churches and you're wondering, should we go to a different church? Let's try good news. The main thing you need to be looking at is not, are those folks nice to me? Now, good news, be nice. Be friendly. That's not the main thing. The main thing is, as I study what that church does, are they spirit-controlled, are they spirit-filled, and are these the things that they're committed to? And oh, by the way, good news, that's why you need to be out When the Word of God is preached. Because it says, okay, these are spirit-filled people that understand the need for the Apostles' Doctrine. And then when they sit in here and they listen to guys like me, is that the Apostles' Doctrine? Now let's bring it even closer. How does this description compare with our church? By the way, you're the church. How does it compare to us? And I'll just address our pastoral staff here. As we look at this new year, and by the way, folks, we have already planned through 2022. It's already on the calendar. But what we have to step back, even as we look at that calendar, and we have sought the Lord about that calendar, that calendar needs to reflect one of these four areas. Four areas, all right? (laughs) The Apostles' Doctrine, Fellowship, breaking bread, and prayer. With the overarching purposes of God's glory and winning souls. Exaltation and evangelism. And of course edification is a part of that. And if we're doing anything, if any of you who lead different ministries, if you're doing anything and it's just for fun or it's just for and it doesn't accomplish what we've seen here in the book of Acts tonight, please don't waste resources and time. Well, we're, we're just going to have an outing where we can break bread. Okay, bathe that thing in prayer before you go and make it something that is spiritually beneficial. Collectively, we are a spirit-controlled church if we're, we've given ourselves from sincere hearts and spirit-controlled lives to the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. But you are the church. You say, I'm so encouraged because of what's happening at Good News. Yeah, but is it happening because the Spirit is working through you? Oh, people are being saved because of you? Oh, the tendons are strong. Because of you. Because of what God is doing in you. That's the point. Now what about you individually? Spirit-controlled believers are not just content to meet once a week, if it's convenient. When was the last time you distributed to the needs of fellow believers in your church or needy believers around the world? I'm quite sure the Spirit of God is prompting you to do so. How important do you view prayer corporately? Are you at prayer meeting? Do you come to men's prayer breakfast? Well, I don't like the food. Get over it! I'm serious. Just come sip coffee, but would you please come and pray, men? How about your daily prayer personally and with fellow saints our prayer here ought to be spontaneous all the time. Oh, we, we've gotten together because there's this work project. Okay, before we even start this, hey, everybody, we need to talk to God. Do you purpose through the Spirit's promptings and love for your family in Christ to break bread with other brothers and sisters? And is their joyful sincerity as you do these things for the glory of God that is resulting in souls regularly being saved? <clears throat> so as we close, may God allow us, by His Spirit, to be controlled so that He is glorified and He can work through the actions here at Good News Baptist Church. This is what the book of Acts, chapter 2, the end of the chapter is teaching us. And I believe this is our heart collectively. Let's pray that God will help us be spirit-controlled like this, to be active like this, and then we will rejoice and exalt in what God is doing here. Father, thank you for the book of Acts. Lord, it was not just... A good start. We have the same spirit. We're under the same orders. We have the same power. God, would you please control us as we deny ourselves and help us to give ourselves to what really matters. Our eternity in heaven will be eternal rest. Our labors will be done. There won't be another lost person to share the gospel with. But Lord, you've got us here for this short time so that your spirit can work through us. And Lord, it is exciting. It does bring joy to our hearts. And it is simple. Lord, as we've sung tonight, we know you're faithful. Help us to be faithful through your power. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening.